the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. This is the last Ridiculous History episode of 2021. Mr. Max Williams, Mr. Noel Brown, they call me Ben. We made it. Hey. (laughs) We did. We did make it. I was worried you were going to say this was going to be the last ridiculous history episode ever and that you were going to use this as an opportunity to like do a rug pull on us. But I'm really glad to know that just just for the year, (laughs) we're going to be back. We're going to take a little much needed time off. Uh, I don't think we're missing any published dates, though, are we, Ben? No, no, we're we're nothing if not uh, consistent. Also ridiculous. And also consistently ridiculous, consistently ridiculous. Yes, there we go. Go team. Uh, We also have big, big news coming out in the new year. So stay tuned. We can't wait to tell you about these developments Uh, today. We want to talk about the weather. Now, Max Noel and I are, you know, we're we're gentlemen of a certain age, and I think we're all old enough to remember a time in our youth when the weather was a little bit different, right? The winters were maybe a little colder. That would probably be one of the main things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost as though the climate is changing. Almost. Oh, almost. Shouldn't be a controversial statement, but I think we can all just kind of <laughs> observe it, you know, just literally by walking outside. But yeah, it's true. Um, and in fact, there was a time we obviously know about the the proper ice age because of those delightful 
uh, animated films. That's where I get all my news from. All Documentaries. My are, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, but there was, in fact, an additional, uh, somewhat more minuscule Ice Age that led to some pretty significant changes in the culture of humanity. It is affectionately referred to as the Lil Ice Age. Deceptively, affectionately referred to as the Little Ice Age. It makes it sound cutesy, right? It's a little diminutive. Uh, we know that the, I, I love that you call them the proper Ice Ages. Uh, the proper Ice Ages began 2.4 million years ago, and uh, the last one was about 11,500 years ago. And even those had a profound and lasting effect on human civilization. But what we're talking about today and what you introduce so beautifully is a much more recent and smaller ice age, but one that still had a tremendous, almost incalculable effect on people living mm -hmm. during that time. And uh, the effects of that are still with us today here at the very end of 2021. And just for context, there were, in fact, six Ice Ages. There was the original Ice Age from 2002. There was Ice this Age, the Meltdown Age. from yeah. 2005. Then Ice there was Age the somewhat less known uh, smaller Ice Age, No Time for Nuts, which I think was a spinoff involving uh -huh. that cute little squirrel guy. Then yeah. there was Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, came out in 2009. Ice Age, Continental Drift from 2012. Uh -huh. and then Ice, Ice Age, Age, Tropical Punch. No? Oh, I don't know about that one. That oh. sounds delicious. Uh, there was Ice Age Collision, I think, was the ultimate Ice Age. But we're not talking about any of those today. We're talking about the Lil Ice Age, which took place around the middle of the 17th century. But some believe that it was already, you know, well on its way about four centuries before that time. Yeah, yeah. Experts still aren't sure exactly when Lil Ice Age began and when it ended. Uh, and whether or not it was just one thing or a series of multiple smaller Ice Age-like occurrences. And I love that we're, I, I propose that we just refer to it as Little Ice Age, because mm -hmm. as we'll see, we need the levity. And Little Ice Age sounds like it could be someone's street name, which I mm -hmm. love. So if you have a mixtape, send it. Yeah, Little Ice Age definitely has uh, some bars. No question about <laughs> it. Uh, also, it makes me think of there's a really great uh, MGMT song called Little Dark Age. Uh -huh. uh, if yeah. you haven't heard that one or if you slept on that era of MGMT, it's super cool. It's a really good track. Um, but you're right, Ben. So, yeah, scientists do have differing opinions as to when it uh, began. But the farthest back that it dates uh, would be covering a large portion of the Middle Ages. Um, there is a really great article on history collection by Larry Holsworth, 10 Bizarre Things, One Need to Know About the Little Ice Age. <laughs> Interesting headline there, Larry. Excellent article, though. And uh, most scientists agree that it ended, at the very least, in the 19th century. So it would have affected events uh, throughout much of European history. Things like famine in France and Poland, what's known as Europe's Great Famine, uh, and also other changes, uh, cultural changes and civilization level changes that may have occurred during the medieval period as well because of the Ice Age. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's look at the causes. So with the benefit of retrospect, humanity is able to look back at these series of events and determine what likely caused this and perhaps just as importantly, what likely did not. 
So let's look at the science. Uh, there was a study that came out in uh, journal Environmental Research Letters, and their argument is that low solar activity caused these very, very nasty winters. Uh, this is also mentioned in BBC News and a great article in the Smithsonian Mag, which is Little Ice Age Art by Sarah Zielinski. And they, they essentially say that the jet stream was blocked over the northeastern Atlantic in a way that caused wind to fold back over itself and cold dry winds from an eastern flow over Europe. And the jet stream was pushed further north. Then cold dry winds from the east came over Europe and made a sharp fall in temperatures. And when solar activity is low, this exacerbates the problem. So their idea is that a prolonged quote-unquote blocking was responsible for this long, long spell of freezing conditions. This leads us to something interesting. The causes of the Ice Age are recorded in geological evidence, glacial expansion uh, and volcanic activity, which volcanic activity is huge. No, we saw this in an episode uh, we did for stuff they don't want you to know on the Bronze Age collapse, right? The possibility that a volcano in a place that most of these Europeans will never visit, was in some way responsible for the weather conditions that directly affected them. Mm, that's totally right. And we have a science and environment reporter over at the BBC News named Mark Kinver detailing a lot of these uh, kind of uh, big picture, you know, um, weather conditions that led to some of the coldest winters the UK had ever seen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this... When we're talking about this cool, what we would call a cooling period, but we have obviously decided to call Little Ice Age, uh, Little Ice Age may have been caused by the eruption of a volcano in Indonesia, the Salamas volcano in 1257. This put so much junk into the atmosphere that it reduced the ability of the sun to warm the planet. It's like the mm -hmm. worst fart ever. Yeah, uh, it, it causes something called glacial expansion and encroachment, which I think you can visualize what that means. It's when, you know, those damn glaciers, they're just really encroaching on all of our, they have no chill uh, yet are completely <laughs> the chillest thing that could possibly be. And it's also been uh, suggested, um, according to the History Collection article we cited earlier, that this um, period of reduced solar warming caused by the eruption of the Salamis uh, was directly linked to crop failures and famine in Europe. But uh, whether that was, in fact, the thing that triggered the Little Ice Age to, you know, come into full effect is not entirely clear. Like we said, scientists are still kind of struggling with the chronology here. Um, so let's let's fast forward a little bit to around the year 1300. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. 
$45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Yeah, 1300. So the disruption of the normal passage of seasons becomes apparent to everyone. We have to realize these were largely agrarian societies. People were very attuned to the natural world, the cycle of harvest, and the weather. So the typical spring, summer, fall, winter cycle goes foobar. Winters are way more nasty. Springs are super dry. The rain isn't coming. And summer is no longer as consistently warm as it had been in previous years and decades. Like you said, unfortunately, famine is just demolishing the continent. And famine brings with it a bevy of other malnutrition-related diseases. Also, the plague shows up because who doesn't love a cameo, right? And when this happens, people and institutions, importantly, like the church, the aristocracy, they're trying to find scapegoats for this. They're not using the word climate change, but they are saying something must be done. Someone is responsible. And so they go back uh, to the unfortunate like scapegoats so often in history, women and people of Jewish religion. That's right. And uh, at first, the church, 
not purely out of like humanitarian uh, motivations, uh, said that, no, 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 don't persecute these people. Uh, only God can control the weather. And that witches uh, and people of Jewish faith were not possessed of the power to uh, outrank God, you know, in any of these types of things. But those arguments did not particularly go over with the population who still thought it best to persecute witches and, and Jewish people. Yeah, yeah. And you can picture the scene because uh, the Catholic Church, importantly, did not deny what they saw as the fact that witches, warlocks, sorcerers, what have you, existed. They just disagreed about how much power those individuals could have. And as these temperatures were dropping, as people were increasingly hungry and, and desperate and uh, being ravaged by disease, that's when we see early witchcraft trials and persecutions start beginning in Europe. For instance, you know, there's a domino effect that happens. Like, let's look at honey. Honey is pretty awesome as just a substance as no bacteria so it can't spoil it can be used as a sweetener and a preservative we've got to do an episode on the legend of the mellified man one day by the way uh, which is preserve like making honey mummies uh true story <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah it was very it was a very popular preservative you know you yeah. have it oftentimes in i believe uh, sarcophagi, you know, of of of, of great pharaohs and, and rulers in ancient Egypt, they would have body parts preserved in honey, yeah. uh, or or also like they had like a formaldehyde esque preservative type chemical, if I'm not mistaken, uh, some analog to that. But honey was also super super popular, and as we know. It's always been a really good way to track changes and problems in the weather by tracking what happens to bees and things like colony collapse and all of that stuff. Um, this wasn't exactly that level yet, but the continuing cold weather uh, kept the bees from pollinating plants properly. Uh, also kept cows from producing the proper amount of milk. And these are also things, if we, if we go back to one of, I think, uh, you, and I, you and my favorite movies of the last couple of years, The Witch, yeah. um, when the cows aren't producing milk or, you know, are like literally squirting out bloody pus instead of milk, uh, that is typically seen as a sign of, of demonic intervention. Witchcraft. Yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine living back in a time where you could just say witchcraft was the reason for stuff? Like, I could be late to a recording. And, and say, sorry, Noel, sorry, Max, it was, I, I was in traffic and there was a witchcraft situation. And you guys would be like, oh, snap, are you okay? I was like, I, I was a frog for a second, but I'm back. Anyway, a little ice age. Uh, yeah, witchcraft was treated as this actual, like, plausible cause for these terrible things happening. And, of course, a lot of times, I, I would even argue the majority of times, that people were accused of witchcraft they were going to be women of a certain demographic, people who were very vulnerable. Uh, they were maybe unmarried, maybe they were elderly, maybe they were practicing, you know, uh, natural medicine of some sort, something that could be seen as ungodly. And neighbors wanted someone to accuse, so they picked the most vulnerable in the herd. Uh, people of the Jewish faith were accused of being the cause of the plague, of spreading the plague for some reason, even though they were obviously, those communities were obviously being affected by the plague as well. And then there were, of course, there was the uh, kind of almost apocalyptic Christianity uh, school of thought where people would say, the sun is less warm to us now because God is mad because a bunch of you 
you know, made him angry. And so it's up to us as the good Christians to make things right with God. So this causes a lot of uh, a, a lot of Jewish people and Jewish communities living in Europe to say, forget this. We've seen this before. They know the score. So they're saying we're not going to hang around with these crazy people. And so they uh, there's this huge exodus into the Ottoman Empire. And for a time, comparatively, it felt like it was a less uh, less dangerous, less oppressive place. But the the sad thing is, while people were trying to find all these causes at the time, and they were like, witchcraft, religions we don't like, you know, prejudice. The, the problem is that the situation they were trying to explain was very real. And a lot of people died. A lot of people lost their livelihood. Like, Noel, we know from the work of Hubert Lamb, like, we have a really good and, and somber picture of how much the weather changed. That's right. The growing season changed uh, by 15 to 20 percent uh, between the warmest and coldest times of the entire millennium, um, which is enough to affect just about any variety of uh, crop uh, production, food production especially ones that have adapted to that predictable full season warm climate, you know, cycle that we're talking about. So during the coldest times of Little Ice Age, England's uh, growing season was shortened by one to two entire months compared to what we know today. So the availability of certain varieties of seeds that can actually withstand that kind of extreme cold or warmth or wetness or dryness, it just wasn't available. The ones that we have today, you know, and largely that comes from GMOs, right, Ben? Yeah, there, there's been a lot of extensive work in making toward making more hardy varieties of staple crops. So shout out to Norman Borlaug and the Green Revolution. But this is far, far before his time, right? These these folks are trying to make their food grow in an increasingly hostile environment. And during this little ice age, or ages, debatably, famines became a regular thing. Uh, sometimes there would be years where things go okay and there would be gaps in famines, but other some other countries or other parts of Europe would just consistently, consecutively experience systemic famine. And all of these famines also happened in a way that correlated with wars. You know, war often leads to famine because you've got a lot of disruption of uh, communities that would be growing food. You've got moving armies, which are very hungry things. And then it's strange because it's kind of like um, a six in one hand, half a dozen. No, no. It's like a chicken in the egg situation because sometimes famine happens because a war is ongoing. But then other times a famine just occurs due to weather and that desperation causes a war. So it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, hungry either way kind of situation. These severe shortages had a cumulative effect, right? Because it takes years to recover from one year of famine. So if you're trying, like if you survived the first year of famine and you're trying to survive the next year, you want everything to go okay. But if you get hit with a double whammy of a famine, then you're even worse off. 
Yeah, we know that the Irish in particular have caught the brunt of, uh, of quite a few famines over the years, and uh, this one was no exception. Over 900,000 Irish people lost their lives uh, in this climate-caused disaster, and they dubbed it the Year of Slaughter. So not a fun time. There were also, uh, during the Little Ice Age, uh, quite a uh, high occurrence of storms. Um, that's another thing we see because of climate change with a lot of these really nasty weather events that become strangely, uh, yet perfectly perceivably, more and more frequent and more and more disastrous. Yeah, yeah. And that's an excellent point. Uh, we know that sometimes the crops died just because the soil was too wet. The rains were coming at the wrong times. Uh, the only place really that made it out relatively unscathed, comparatively unscathed, would be southern France, the Mediterranean region of that area. Uh, there's another thing where in East Prussia, between just three years, 1708 to 1711, crop failure led to famine, which led to f- over 40 percent of the population dying due to starvation or disease. Like think of 40% of all the people you know and just imagine the Thanos snap. Damn, little I say is you're not cute at all. No, not one bit. But, you know, there's always two ways to look at these kinds of things if you pull back the camera far enough. Uh, so let's, let's, let's do, uh, let's blue sky this bad boy, shall all we? Right. Let's, yeah. let's silver lining this guy. Uh, little Ice Age, you aren't all bad, because as we know, like horrible conditions often lead to explosions in things like art and uh, technology, technological advancements. I mean, you know, humanity is usually most successful and plucky when pushed to the brink. Yeah, yep. Necessity is the mother of invention, as we so often say in this species. It's strange because if you look at the art that you're you're alluding to here, paintings, woodcuts of people and so on during the 17th and early 18th century, you'll notice immediately one thing. Everybody is wearing a lot of clothing, right? Everybody is bundled up. And you can tell if you know about the little ice age, you can tell where that's coming from because it's cold all year. Summer is not reaching summer temperatures. Uh, it was It was also a time before there was a lot of global communication. So people didn't know that other people in, say, North America were also having a terrible time. They thought these were local conditions and they needed local solutions. And you can also see an evolution of fashion. If you look closer at that clothing, you'll see some of the stuff that used to be just tied together or laced together now has buttons instead because it's a better way of sealing the barrier between you and the hostile wintry environment. Yeah, shout out again to uh, 10 Bizarre Things One Need to Know About the Little Ice Age by Larry Holsworth from History Collection. Highly recommend giving that one a full read. Uh, So, okay, we've got uh, art maybe wasn't necessarily on the list, but um, we do look to art to kind of show us some of these other advancements, you know, in clothing. What we also see is uh, innovation in farming. You know, obviously they didn't have the GMOs that we have today, you know, the ability to kind of like genetically manipulate seeds and stuff, but they did figure out ways to create better stores of grain, Mm -hmm. uh, realizing that they need to set aside a surplus uh, for those brutal winters and also in the event that there were crop uh, failures, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is this is a great idea. This is literally investing in your future. The tax man didn't like this. The merchant class didn't like this. The crop dealers didn't like this. We have to remember that a lot of people in Europe at the time did not own the land that they farmed. They were serfs. They were peasants. So they grew crops and they had to give most of it to the landlord, uh, the landowner usually like the nobility, maybe a church of some sort. And then they could have a small amount of what they grew. It's like, imagine if you you work at a pizzeria and you don't own the pizzeria and you make pizzas and like you can have a slice of every 10th pizza and that's how you're paid. Like it's well, not it, a great it, situation. It, it sure isn't. And it is the root of the type of resentment that led to the overthrow or, or in general, the kind of resentments that lead to overthrows of ruling classes, you know, by mm-hmm. uh, the serfs that you mentioned, because uh, there's a really great line in the most recent episode of Succession or the, fi- the finale where a character played by Stellan St- uh, Alexander Sarsgaard, who's like this sort of like Google kind of like guru guy, he says, he tells a story about how um, in ancient Rome, I believe, there was this idea that we should make all of the slaves dress the same so that you can tell them apart until they realized that if the slaves all dressed the same, they would know who they were and realize that there were way more of them than there were of the ruling class and would therefore rise up and kill their masters. And that is exactly what happened uh, on a long timeline. This is, you know, like I said, sort of the seeds of this sort of resentment that led to the French Revolution because these people are literally starving. They're working the land for these owners, these landowners, and they're getting kind of yelled at for trying to keep some for themselves to eat. Yeah, it reminds me of that old, uh, you know, I think it's, the quotation I believe is attributed to Vladimir Lenin, but uh, there's this quote that always stuck with me. Every society is three meals away from chaos. And I I think that's that's a a very, that's a profound way to put it. Uh, And you are absolutely right. Nothing occurs in a vacuum. So this also causes the status quo and the social order to be questioned, and rightly so, because people are dying. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? 
here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avala Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We also see that the nature of law enforcement and crime changes. The crime of stealing food was, you know, kind of like a minor offense in many cases before this point. But as food becomes more scarce uh, and everybody is panicking, then the penalties for stealing food become increasingly harsh until the status quo. And I suspect this is, ooh, I think we found a cause here, man. So I bet, or I would not be surprised to learn that the, ruling classes, the religious and political authorities, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that they were 100% behind the idea of witchcraft and mm -hmm. religious persecution because it took the onus off them. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And you mentioned about the draconian like levels of punishment that were attributed to uh, stealing food. It makes me think of Jean Valjean from Les Miserables. Yeah. You know, he stole a loaf of bread uh, and ends up working in this like labor camp, you know, for like 20 years or something, you know, absolutely uh, a punishment, not befitting the crime, but they, it was a control mechanism. They mm-hmm. wanted to strike fear into the hearts of these peasants and make them okay with the status quo of depending on the ruling class to even get a few crumbs to survive for the privilege of being able to work themselves to the bone for these masters. Oh God. Yeah. And you know, the more things change, man, I was talking to, I was talking to a friend who's experiencing ennui and they're just being worn down. There's someone who was going into work physically consistently. They had to because of the nature of their job. And he told me recently, they were like, Ben, you know, it hit me. I was in traffic and I thought, I'm going to work to get money to buy gas to fill up my car so I can drive to work to get money to buy gas to fill up my car so I can go to like <laughs> this. There's this, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's a dangerous system, but okay. Since we try to be positive on this show, Noel, you did an awesome job setting up blue sky time right bright mm-hmm. side we're, we're mr Brightside or whatever i'm we are all collectively mr Brightside. um coming out of my cage and i've been doing just fine uh-huh. just fine uh-huh. she takes off her dress now uh i don't remember the next line but total banger what, 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 it really was good real uh, i like it i was surprised but there were good uh things there were advancements in technology including musical technology mm-hmm. which i thought would be especially interesting to us it is very interesting because I was not aware of the idea of the quality of wood changing because of these types of conditions. So the Renaissance period, which we all associate with like this flourishing uh, intellectual, you know, explosion uh, in culture, uh, largely you know, in Europe, of course, starting in Europe and music. And of course, with that comes uh, advancements in musical technology. I mean, what is a musical instrument if not a form of technology? Uh, things like Violins, violas, uh, forte pianos, harpsichords, other inventions that were, you know, that we don't really, that haven't really stuck around quite as much today. But a lot of these um, forward movements and the quality of these instruments has been proposed to be associated with the condition uh, that led, the conditions rather, that led to the improvement of the types of wood being used. The fact that they were being seasoned prior to their use uh, because of the harsh conditions, I guess, it made them stronger over time. Uh, It it created a more dense material that gave it a more unique and beautiful tone when it was vibrated, you know, by the strings. Mm -hmm. Creating sweetness from suffering, which Mm -hmm. is, uh, in a way, one of the core stories of humanity. Of course, nowadays, we know that Europe is not in the midst of a little ice age. Uh, in fact, we know that right now there are scientists keeping a close eye on glacial shelves in Antarctica because they may shear off and they may raise the sea levels. So there are some other weather problems on the way. But whether or not you believe in climate change, yeah, no, it's spelled the way you think it's spelled. No, it's, we're doing written puns now. On an audio show. Uh, (laughs) Regardless, um, I think we can all agree that climate change is a fact and it is experiential knowledge for a lot of people at this point because we have seen 
the weather changing. And one thing we can say here at the very end of 2021 is that humanity has been through this before. It's not the species' first rodeo. And even when times are tough, you see these acts of profound beauty and generosity. And so I think we did find some positive notes, but also, who knew that there there was a, a little ice age Indeed, there was a little ice age. Uh, and also, the, just to wrap it up again in kind of a nice way, um, between 1600 and 1814, the River Thames, you know, the famous uh, River Thames, you know, with the swans and all that, uh, no swans around this time, would freeze over for around two months. And that was specifically directly tied to this little ice age that Britain was was experiencing. The other uh, factor that led to this wa- were bridges, um, mm-hmm. London Bridge and its uh, and its uh, piers. You know that you know literally like docking piers um, for shipping. They were so close together that during the winter, these pieces of ice would get stuck between the piers and block up the river. So it became easier conditions for the whole thing to freeze over. And uh, people took advantage of this, you know? Like, I mean, again, human ingenuity. A lake freezes over, you, you go ice fishing or you, you ice skate. Uh-huh. People just kind of figure this stuff out to make, uh, to make something good out of something kind of scary. And this was no exception. Yeah, yeah. This is where we see, oh, this is a great place to end it. Yeah, this is where we see the emergence of the Tim's Frost Fairs. People said, well, if the river's freezing... You know, it's not like we're going to be unloading ships for a while. Let's party. Let's get down. And so there's a cool article about this by Tom De Castella over on BBC Frost Fair. When an elephant walked on the frozen River Thames, which could, you know what, now in retrospect, Noel, maybe that could have been our angle from the beginning. We've talked about how horrible the Little Ice Age was. Should we have opened with the parties? No, I think it's good that we're ending on the parties. These frost It's like a Christmas fairs. party. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it. There, there would be all these, like, think of it as like an elaborate set of pop-ups, right? So you <laughs> yes. had like these yeah, little so. little bars, you know, with uh, wassail, wassail or whatever, I'm sure, all, you know, hot drinks and all of that. Uh-huh. Uh, there was ice skating. There were little shops and things like that and food. And it would have just been like a really good old, time um and everyone obviously would have been super bundled up because you get used to these kinds of conditions if you live in a region that has uh, this level of brutality and it's winter it kind of becomes something that you you know uh and you can still party with the best of them even under the worst of conditions oh wow you kind of accidentally described ridiculous history huh Mm-hmm. Party with the best of them, even under the worst, <laughs> the worst possible conditions. Yes. Yeah, or party with the worst of them under the best of conditions. Unclear uh, which one we are. Yeah, yeah. We're we're here, uh, and uh, this has been ridiculous history uh, for 2021, the year of our Lord. Uh, <laughs> what a year! Of, what a weird year it's been. Wait, 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 which one is the? Are there multiple years of our Lord? I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like Air Force One. How whatever plane the president is in is Air Force One. So if somebody already has an Our Lord, whenever they say the year of Our Lord, it's just whatever year it was. That's my working theory. But yes, you're right. We are closing out 2021, and we want to thank all of our fellow ridiculous historians who have been on this wild ride with us. Uh, We do have our good, good friend Casey Pegram returning. Uh, Act surprised. Uh, We're going to try to class it up, I think. Uh, Max, you were talking about putting on a suit. Um, And can we, you know what, can we just at the very end of the year, Noel, can we put some respect on Max's name for that robe or put some respect Mm -hmm. on his robe? 
Oh, yeah. It's, my mouth is full of respect for Max and his robe. Uh, and I'm going to keep that in there. I'm going to keep it in there. Um, Max is wearing this very Father Christmas-like, uh, almost like the, the hood of a viper, you know, or like a king cobra, but yeah. yet fuzzy on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, picture that. Ghost of, uh, it, it's, uh, is it the ghost of Christmas present? See the is spooky that, one? No, no, that's the future. It's the jolly guy with the big, with the big robe. Right, right. But I think, you know, but the Ghost of Christmas Future also had a pretty gnarly robe with a with a spooky death hood. Yeah. Uh, I like to think of Max more as the, the jovial ghost. Though. Me too. Me too. Yeah, That's 2021, Max. 2022, Max, might be uh, a little different, Noel. So prepare mm-hmm. yourself. Oh, more boy. of a Mad Max kind of situation, I think, for all of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, and thank you, of course. Uh, thank you to everyone who's who's tuned in over the years. As always, we can't wait to hear from you. Thanks to Mr. Max Williams, uh, our very own Father Christmas. Uh, thanks to Alex Williams, who I guess would be our Jack Frost in this situation. For He's a frosty boy. Yeah, he's a frosty boy. He stays frosty. Uh, And thanks, of course, uh, Noel. Thank you, man. We have been through a lot uh, these past few years, and it's amazing. You know, I I just feel profoundly fortunate and grateful to be a part of shows like this. It means a lot. So thank you. Same. No one I'd rather spend uh, my time with uh, in podcast world than than you two guys. Not even thanks to you both. No, Fran. Oh, Not even Matt Frederick. Uh, she's a little grating. No, Matt's cool. Matt's great. That, that that that's its own other thing. We need to have Matt back on the show. Let's yeah, make that do. a New Year's resolution for twenty twenty two. A hundred million percent agreed. Nobody question my math there. Absolutely, and I very much look forward to being a part of that one because I don't. Has he been on when I've been on? I know yeah. he's been on. Okay. We were yes. we were on the road and we were recording in a hotel room and he came in with one of his awesome like Colonel Sanders voices that's or something. That's right. That's right. Colonel Angus. Colonel Angus. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh man. Some puns, man. One. They stay with you. Yeah. Well, hopefully we will stay with you too, keeping you warm. Um, check out the back catalog. There's a lot of it to enjoy uh, during this holiday season. And like I said, we're not even going to miss a beat. So tune in next week and there will be more ridiculous history for your enjoyment. Happy New Year. Indeed. See you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.